Welcome to this inaugural episode of Virtuosa Society Podcast, brand new Between the Bio series. I'm thrilled that you're here and I'm so thrilled that we're doing this. I'm Katie Harmon, host of the Virtuosa Society Podcast and founder of Virtuosa Society. At Virtuosa Society, we are a collective of female creatives committed to elevating the non-linear journey of creativity. If you've been following along with Virtuosa Society podcast from the beginning, you know that I bring you the stories of hidden collaborations between women throughout history. And oftentimes I'll sprinkle in a little bit of an interview with a contemporary creative. Now, these between the bio interviews are meant to dig just a little deeper between the highlights in those featured creatives' bios. We're, we're digging into the spaces and the pockets of their experiences where the nuances, challenges, truths, and growth happen. Because we don't talk about them nearly enough. And because conversations like this are vital for understanding the uniqueness and sameness of life as a female creative. Now, in episode six of the Virtuosa Society podcast, I featured the hidden story of sisters Jane and Cassandra Austin. I am thrilled to bring you today's interview, which was not featured in that episode six because it deserved an episode all its own. You deserve to hear this interview in its full glory. And here you go. So today I am interviewing the Von Trapp sisters, Sophie, Melanie, and Amanda, who just like Jane and Cassandra share a very famous heritage and an even tighter bond, which you'll hear about. Now, you're going to be introduced to a little bit of their history at the beginning of the interview, but just in case you don't know about the Von Trapp sisters, let me give you a little overview of their bios first. Sophie, Melanie, and Amanda Von Trapp are three sisters and the grandchildren of the youngest boy portrayed as Kurt in The Sound of Music in the famous Von Trapp family. And thus, they are the great-grandchildren of Georg and Maria Von Trapp. Ooh, so exciting. They grew up as singing siblings, including their brother, August. And they grew up in Montana and started touring the world at a very young age. They didn't intend to follow their famous ancestors into a singing career, however, but when their grandfather, who taught them Austrian folk songs, was in the hospital after a stroke, they banded together to make a recording to cheer him up. This became their first album, which began a 15-year career touring in over 25 countries, recording six studio albums, winning Young Artist Awards, collaborating with artists like Rufus Wainwright and Loretta Lynn, and performing with renowned symphonies in venues such as Carnegie Hall, Walt Disney Hall, The Forbidden City in China, and Sydney Opera House. In 2014, they moved to Portland, Oregon, and recorded their favorite album, Dream a Little Dream with Thomas Lauderdale and Pink Martini after being invited to sing with a band at the Holiday Tree Lighting Ceremony in downtown Portland. It is a spectacular event, by the way. <laughs> Sparking a friendship that would lead to dozens of performances together, many festive schnitzel night parties, and an introduction and collaboration with me. That's how I met the Von Trapp sisters. The siblings have now hung up their singing hats to pursue other endeavors, which we'll get into. But music remains a very important fixture of their lives and their work. They occasionally do surface from retirement, though, to collaborate and perform. Now, let's get into their individual bios. We're going to start with Amanda Von Trapp. Inspired by how music would unite and encourage collaboration among different people and cultures, Amanda pursued an extended career studying diplomacy and international business at the Georgetown School of Foreign Service and is now helping to build the international development team at EY in Zurich, Switzerland. Her vision is to help international organizations and companies navigate geopolitical risk and design greater avenues of collaboration between the public and private sectors to solve global challenges. Pretty spectacular. 
Now, Melanie Von Trapp. After her 15-year music career, Melanie has applied herself to design and systems management. She studied graphic design at Portland State University and has worked as a product designer, project manager, and market researcher in the fields of architecture, urban design, and biotechnology. Her passion is in design process and systems thinking and how those disciplines apply to agriculture and sustainable food production. Such an important topic right now. Lastly, Sophie Von Trapp. During her 15 years as a professional musician, Sophie studied music business at Berklee College of Music in Boston and became a band manager. She later began a six-year career in qualitative market research as a consultant for corporations in various industries, one of them being Adidas, if I can say that, <laughs> while earning a degree in psychology at Oregon State University. She is now combining her experience in research, performance, business, and psychology to support mental health and career sustainability as a researcher and life coach for individuals in the performing arts. A little personal note here, which we will allude to in our interview, but Sophie is actually my life coach. She's fantastic. I call her Dr. Sophie. <laughs> now, let's go between their bios. Oh my goodness, am I so excited to be talking with you. I am talking today with Melanie, Amanda, and Sophie Von Trapp. And you are scattered throughout the United States and the world right now. Uh, Mel, you're in Philadelphia, is that right? Or Pittsburgh? You're in uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, proud Pittsburgher now. Proud <laughs> Pittsburgher. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sophie, you're on the West Coast here with me. Just a mm -hmm. uh, about five hours north in Portland, is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. A proud Portlander. Proud Portland burger. <laughs> Portland burger. <laughs> and Amanda, tell me where you are in the world right now. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in, I live in Zurich right now in Switzerland. So I'm eating lots of chocolate, lots of cheese and uh, hiking in the mountains. Oh. So it's quite a luxurious place for sure. Glorious. Yes. All you need is a burger. Now, right? <laughs> I really do crave one. <laughs> I just have to go burger. to Salzburger. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That was good. That was really good. That was very good. Nice. That was for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we are talking about sisterhood, literal sisterhood. We're talking about how you manage your relationship as sisters, as well as your individual artistry while you are making art together. And so I'd love to start out with that. Can you tell us just a little bit about how your family unit began performing together? And then we're gonna skip into uh, some of the the things that you learned, the experiences that you had on on tour and performing together and recording together, and uh, how that how you were able to fuse your individuality, your artistry, together. Are we we're going to start with Sophie? Ooh, those are some <laughs> those are some good questions, Katie. Well, <laughs> you take it. First. Yeah. yeah. That's right. the eldest, Sophie gets. Oh my gosh. Gets the torch. <laughs> Oh, um, that's really, those are really amazing questions because, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've all talked about these things in depth and, um, but as you know, we, we stopped singing professionally full time about seven years ago. And so it's, it's really interesting to like, to, to see all of that in this retrospective and, um, and gosh, and we started so young, I was 13 and. Mel, you were 11, Amanda was 10, and, um, and our brother was seven. And we, uh, we started because our grandfather was, um, he got very sick and wasn't able to come visit us in Montana anymore. And, and so we recorded some of the songs that he would teach us. And we had, this was before you could do this on a laptop. This is before you could do it on your phone. We had to like drive all the way to Missoula, Montana which was the closest big city, quote unquote, and, um, and then record in this 
um, the studio, uh, like the like little cute Austrian songs, and we sent that over to him and someone, and he loved it, and other people started to love it as well, and asked us to just to perform um, for different different groups, and we just kept saying yes, and just inadvertently started a music career. <laughs> we didn't didn't really expect to didn't expect uh, the, this kind of um, whirlwind of a life and of a childhood um, that we would have together. And it was, it was really quite beautiful, um, also challenging and um, really opened our minds and perspectives of the world. And I, I'm very grateful for that. But also I would say in, and as I'm thinking, as I process that the whole 15 years of being together, I would say I'm really grateful that we were all together doing during that process, that it was that we were with each other and just um, on that on this crazy road, because we know I know so many musicians do this, do this alone. And that's yes. <laughs> that is a very intense journey to do all by yourself. So that's my torch. I'll hand it off to someone else. <laughs> the relay, the next leg of the relay. Oh, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. I, as an aside, I just have to tell you this little story. I didn't realize that about how you recorded in a small studio, you said just outside of Missoula. Is that right? Or in Missoula. In Missoula. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kay Starr, who was a, a contemporary of Gershwin's, um, her second marriage was to a Bronco oh, wow. Buster from Bend, Oregon. And in a whirlwind <laughs> romance, she married him after meeting him at Radio City um, in New York City after, yeah, after, what is it, a show or something that she was doing for Gershwin. Whirlwind romance, married him and moved to Bend, Oregon. And this is in the 30s where there was nothing but cows and cowboys, literally. And Mind you, she was already this world, <laughs> this world-renowned composer at the side of Gershwin, and she found somehow she found a little studio in Bend, Oregon, and recorded in this little studio in Bend. And she said at one point, a a group of drunken cowboys came through the studio and they actually caught it on the recording and they just became a part of the background of this recording. And I am searching desperately for it. You know, I've been asking Thomas Lauderdale to help me find this. <laughs> but, uh, of course. Of it, course. Yeah. It reminds me so much of that. It's really akin to that. It's just such a, a funny story. <laughs> there were no drunken cowboys oh though, on this recording of the Von Trapp children to your grandfather though. Right. <laughs> yes. Sadly, no. Sadly, no. <laughs> that wouldn't be until yeah. far later in the recording process. <laughs> That's right. Drunken cowboys. Oh my gosh. Lonely goat herds. In that case, you had a couple of of crazy. Uh, what was it, Wayne? Who was it, Wayne? Um, Wayne Newton. Oh, Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton Jack was Hannah. on your album. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. And Jack Hanna, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. But oh my goodness. Uh, Mel, Amanda, any thoughts on that? On the, on how, what it was like to start this process with your siblings? Um, yeah, I guess I'll go next and say, you know, birth order here. Um, <laughs> just keep with the, keep with the, the um, pattern. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was a really, like Sophie said, an amazing way to grow up. Um, uh, started very young and, um, I think, uh, so we would be on the road about nine months out of the year. Um, and usually during the winter months and the fall months and then spring, summer, we'd come back to Montana and we would be hiking in Glacier Park and camping and um, singing with, you know, our friends in the mountains. Literally, I know it sounds so sound music, but that it's is idyllic. what we did in the summers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, but, you know, our dad, uh, when our grandfather stopped singing um, uh, with his siblings in the 50s, uh, he started a dairy farm in Vermont. And then that's where our father grew up. And he was a dairy farmer for 30 years before moving to Montana. So when we moved to Montana, it was very much like 
out in the West and pioneering and animals. We 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 had like a petting zoo, um, basically at our, mm-hmm. our our little farmstead in Montana. Um, and then you know the next month, uh, like one month, we'd be cleaning out the chicken coop, and then the next the next we'd be, you know, performing at the Sydney Opera House or or something like that. It was just a very paradoxical way to sort of experience life as a kid. Um, but, uh, and we were homeschooled, um, cause we just didn't have time to, to, to do both, um, be in school and be on the road as much as we were. So we were each other's, um, work, uh, workmates, playmates, schoolmates, you know, the whole, the whole deal. Um, wow. and I think, uh, your question about like how our artistry evolved, um, with each other, um, I think is really interesting. I, I don't know if I've spent that much time really thinking about it like that. Cause it was just so, um, it was such a long period of, of our lives and, and, and it was the way that we grew up. So we had these roles, you know, vocally, um, not, not just in like the birth order of like mm. oldest, middle child, youngest child, but also vocally, we, we, from a very young age, we all were we had our, our, uh, our parts, you know, like Amanda was, had the deepest voice. She was alto. Sophie was, um, second soprano. Um, I was soprano. And then August was like falsetto <laughs> until his voice changed. And then we had to rearrange all of our music. <laughs> what year was that? When, yeah. When was it that August's voice dropped? What year was it? Do you remember? Oh gosh. It was like, Right in the middle of a big symphony tour. So stressful to go on stage and not be sure whether yes. August might hit the notes or not. <laughs> and poor August. He was so stressed out too. So oh, I'm sure. it, it uh, we finally had to just like rearrange mm-hmm. everything super quickly and everyone <laughs> had to learn new parts. Um, but then I would That's say amazing. this was like you know, he was like twelve, thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, it was, and then and then from there we just we all just sort of stuck in our our, our parts, and um, I think I think because we always sang together, it was an ensemble, and our voices sort of were matched each other's and yes. and complemented each other's. We weren't really soloists; we were um, we were a, a, a unit, and I think that's that is very much how our voices evolved until um, later on in our career when we moved to Portland and started doing more. Um, experimenting with uh, original mm. music, um, uh, yeah, uh, I can I can bookmark it there. Let Amanda yes. <laughs> take it up at this point, but yeah. yeah, I think yeah, no, I would agree. I think the really interesting part, even as we, you know, we're all living in different places now, and and uh, you know, pursuing things that uh, are kind of. You, you feel a bit isolated and then you remember, oh my goodness, this is what it was like to, to kind of be part of a mini SWAT team because, you know, everyone, everyone had a really, like, you know, a clear role uh, because we had been doing it for 15 years. You know, we had created a, a kind of a groove in, in the way that we approached things and, um, and the, not just, um, you know, kind of the daily life of being on tour and being um, yeah. siblings and, and workmates at the same time, but also I think musically, you know, there, there was sort of a, you had to learn really, I mean, we did learn really early to kind of listen to each other in, in such a sensitive way that, um, that we all took on we were really flexible in these moments. And I am always shocked about the way kind of, you know, just a simple quiver in somebody's voice or a, a, a slight shift. Every, all four of us noticed it and are, and were able to kind of instantly make adjustments to accommodate for yes. any of those changes. And, and, and it's, it's such an interesting thing because it's, um, uh, I, I, I was just always wondered, you know, how does it, uh, it takes the that kind of experience and that that um, that familiarity with with one another to to notice that, but then uh, um, then when you kind of are away from it for a little while, you realize how how special that can be, both in terms of music, but also in terms of uh, of, of having relationships with one another uh, or deep enough relationships with one another to notice that. 
Absolutely. It's this intuition that you have a musical intuition, but also a, a very intrinsic intuition. Like in the case of August, you, you could feel his stress and you're trying to mitigate that at the same time as also mitigating what could possibly happen musically. <laughs> so, and that is only possible when you have a strong bond with someone else and that familial bond is stronger than anything else. Right. Do you feel that way? That it's, it's, have you felt have you felt that kind of bond or that kind of intuition musically or otherwise outside of the experience that that you had as a family <laughs> don't tell our partners <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our little well, musically secret. speaking <laughs> We're trying to get our partners to sing, but right? yeah, no. <laughs> I've been trying for um, 20 years. I, <laughs> I, I would say, so I went to, I went to a music school during the time that we were still singing together and it was so kind of shocking. I think it was like a similar experience that Amanda was talking about where, well, where I just like, I realized that not everyone has the same type of musical sensitivity mm. to um, in an ensemble and there's so many soloists out there um, and the, and that is like this that is i would say the the the, the standard form of um, of creating art as a singer mm -hmm. um, but i but when i went to when I, when i was in school i i, I think i realized how much I had built that muscle as a as an as a piece of an ensemble, and and how much blending was important, or how much like where I was within the ensemble, mm -hmm. and paying attention to not overpowering or not being too quiet, or mm -hmm. to to make sure that this harmony and that that timbre or mm -hmm. um, the the pace in which I sang a phrase, all of those things I I really honed in, and I know. Um, that the, you know, the Mel and Amanda, you, you also really honed in on that craft, but then to go into all of a sudden being a soloist, yes. it was a, it's a totally different experience. And I didn't realize that it was so different and it, and almost like in a, a completely different instrument. Very and, true. Different, uh, different muscles. And it was, almost. Yeah. yeah. It feels like yeah, you're exercising very much different so. muscles. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah. when you listen to the recordings of you and, and I've had the great privilege and pleasure of hearing you live number a number of times it does sound like one voice the four of you sound like one voice even with the instruments around you it's it's really magnificent and i feel it's it's unique so it's not just that you have a similar vocal quality which is very uh, normal for siblings right is that you pretty much have the same kind of genetic quality to your voice it's not just that Mm -hmm. is that there was this very special bond between the four of you. And uh, it makes for a completely unique musical experience for the listener too, which is really amazing. So what I want to know, I'm going to dig a little further mm -hmm. into this. What I want to know is when suddenly you've, you have that one voice experience, that colo voce, right? That, that together, uno voce, if we want to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> one voice together. <laughs> and you then go your separate ways into the world, literally and figuratively, and you set that experience aside and you have to essentially find your own voice in what it is that you're doing in and outside of music. What were the challenges that you faced in doing that? And how did you find your own voice going forward or did you such a great question um i speak for myself i think that it's still an ongoing process mm -hmm. um it hasn't been that long since we've um, mm -hmm. since we've stopped, you know, 15 years together and then about six, six and a half years, um, not, and, uh, it's, um, I, you know, I, I haven't been performing, uh, very much since we stopped singing, mm -hmm. but I still 
will sing at home to my dog and my partner a lot, just like little, little like <laughs> silly songs for the most part. But um, I think it's so. Uh, I love that. Really, like, yeah, and I am trying to get John to sing. We're we're um, we're close. He can he can almost hold a tune. Um, if That's I progress. And it's like, I know so much progress. All you need, we just, this is what we need to yeah. tell our partners. Just hold it. Here is your note. That's it. Just stay hold on that pitch. note. Yeah. And yeah. I can sing around it. And then we're harmonizing. <laughs> yeah. Life goals. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so funny because I, I love that phrase of like finding your own voice because I think for us, it's, it's um it's not just literally finding your own voice and learning how to sing um uh, in a solo capacity it's also like how do you operate and in the world um or as a team member for another team after having spent so much time working as a team member in in our unit as a as like four siblings um traveling yes. the world together and it's um it's uh really challenging but it's also really exciting uh to just mm. be kind of figuring out who you are and uh testing things and experimenting and i just think it's an ongoing process and um i feel like i've learned so much about myself in the last six years that uh mm. um is just so uh it it's yeah, I keep coming back to fun. It's it's as fun as it is challenging, I would say. Um, yeah, and That's and uh, I love being able to talk to Amanda and Sophie in August about what they're going through, and <clears throat> and it's just a bizarre thing to be able to share that very specific like individual growth phase um, oh, in yeah. parallel with you know three other people. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's very beautiful. Bizarre. But <clears throat> yeah, beautiful. Amanda, what do you think? Yeah, it's funny. I, <laughs> I've been watching this um, German show called Deutschen Suchten Superstar, and it is Ooh. the um, <laughs> American Idol of Germany. <laughs> and it, it's so it, it's been really actually in the last couple. Uh, so I, I, you know, every Saturday night, I'll, not every Saturday night, <laughs> but like I'll, I'll go on and <laughs> I'll watch it. And <laughs> I have a life. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I, we wouldn't fault you if it was every Saturday night, though. It sounds amazing. <laughs> but, no, it's it's fascinating, actually, because when I when I'm watching it. Um, you know they they have the um, the panelists will will kind of critique okay this is the individual's performance and, and what were the strengths and what were the weaknesses and it's so funny because I, I recognize it's the same I have the same critiques I have the same knowledge and the same um, understanding I'm even in their heads where I can think oh this is exactly what they're thinking why and this is why they made that note in wow. such a strange way or this is why they're nervous and I, I was so okay this is I, I've learned so much over the past 15 years uh, about what it means to kind of be in the situation and, and and what it means to use your voice but then I also think to myself that I do, I certainly don't have the, um, certainly don't have the experience of singing alone like that. So uh, it's, and I, I just mm. think, wow, I had the 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 luck of of um, such being a unit in having the kind of you're hidden in a way, you're you're exposed and you're hidden, you know, mm. and but to, to be so exposed by being a soloist, it, it's, um, it's, it's actually been on my mind a lot recently where I don't know if I know my voice uh, as a soloist as well as I know my role in our ensemble. Like I can click into that mm. right away and I know how to mold that, but I don't, I'm not sure if I really have uh, uh, tabs on, on, um, on what it would mean to really carry my voice alone. And so I'm excited about one, recognizing that, and then two, trying to explore it in the next phase, whatever it might be. And 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 so I think um, I think it's a really uh, it's an exciting next phase, perhaps to, to be able to explore that a little bit. But I guess that the, the confidence has yes. tanks a little bit because <laughs> you kind of feel like you might have to go back to the beginning, you know? 
that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's the great paradox of it all, right? Well, so Dr. Sophie, I'm going to ask you a psychology (laughs) question then in follow-up because you are you are this close to to that doctor in psychology, right? In in <laughs> so yeah, I, I aspire to such. I aspire to it such. Is, it's coming. It's, it's like a fast-moving train. <laughs> now, as a follow-up, though, as a follow-up to what Amanda just said, um, what do you feel, Doctor Sophie? Is the do we place too much importance on the solo voice, the solo voce, over the mm. collective voice? And, you know, we've, we've just heard the merit in being able to rely on others in a unit and this world in this world, especially in performance, you are encouraged more often than not to be unique, to be the voice that no one else has heard before. Is there too much emphasis Mm. on that? What do you feel is the... How do you balance the two? Is balance a lie? Those were a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I understand what you're getting at. And, and gosh, it's, I think it's so much of like a, a societal expectation that you are, that, that you, as if you're an artist, you have to be, you have to have your own unique voice as an individual, which I think is amazing. Um, I, I would say there's, there's like, there are pros and cons to both. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the first things that comes to mind is that as a soloist, you have a little more creative control of your direction, like the creative mm-hmm. direction that you want to go in. Um, but as, as a group, you, um, you have to compromise that creative direction. And that's, and that could either be something that's, that you really love in the long term. Or it could be something that you're like, ah, that really doesn't fulfill my creative direction that I want to be in. And so there, so there's creative direction is one element. I also think like what Amanda was referring to is this kind of SWAT team when you're a group, like you are, you get, you can get to a point where you are so lean and mean that you can literally do, you can reach a higher level of specifically in the arts artistry and um we would always joke that like if we if we became like a cleaning unit like we we were we could like go into a house and like clean that house so quickly just like using the same type of skills of us being like (laughs) have you tried it yet going in and no we haven't tried i don't know if that will i don't know if it's true if it will happen (laughs) but i do remember like joking about it but then when you're by yourself, you have Are to clean sure that house all by yourself and it takes you forever. Cleaning. I know. I don't know. I don't know. It hasn't worked for Actually, me yet. I would argue yes. <laughs> I would argue yes. I think those skills do. I think they oh, translate to literally everything. And um, uh, one thing that also comes to mind is like specifically for singers, like staggered breathing, and then also like having breath control as a soloist. I know for myself, whenever I'm trying to sing solo, that is the one thing that I cannot ever get away with. I cannot hide behind my Mm -hmm. own breath. But when you're in an ensemble, you can really rely on each other when you're, you can't sing that whole phrase your pal next to you <laughs> might be able to, so you can wow. take that quick, <laughs> that quick breath. But I think that concept wow. also, you can apply that to, to so many other elements in an ensemble. And I think that's what makes it so powerful because you can lean on other, the others, the strength of others when you are weak and, and it's really, um, it, it can be, that, I mean, gosh, it, that can be so powerful. Um, so, I, I, mean, I, to, I mean, which one's better? I can't, I can't tell no, you, but I, really also, but I do think that there is something better. really powerful about being in a, in a great um, t- tight knit ensemble. Yeah. 
That's such a metaphor. Like, what, what you I just like said was so beautiful. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, I'm, Melanie, I want to hear what you have to say. But no. I was, was going to no, say that, go that ahead, is, Katie. that's such a metaphor for our existence as artists, though, is that idea of, yeah. of um, breath work, of mm-hmm. learning how to trust the breath that others are making around you. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm mixing the metaphors. I, maybe I still need to work this out. Oh no, in, I like that. In our coaching sessions mm-hmm. because Sophie, Dr. Sophie is my is my coach right now. But the <laughs> I, I I see that. I feel that that maybe it's this idea of when you are a solo artist and when you are trying to figure out your own artistry is that you don't forsake that First, well, maybe it's not that you don't forsake. Listen to me. I'm talking this out as as we sit here together. But maybe it's that you (laughs) allow for others to work the breath in tandem with you. Is that a lesson, Dr. Sophie? Mel, you were going to jump in there. <laughs> Save me from this oh. while I still try and uh, process no, it. I, yeah, I think you're you're talking mm. about trust, right? Yeah. Like trust. Do you think that's inherent in what you were just saying? Is that because you had this familial trust that the breath, uh, being able to know that Mel was going to be able to take the breath when you, or was going to be able to sustain the phrase when you were taking the breath? right? Was that a trust thing? Or was it more than that? Gosh, I, I would say, I'm just speaking for myself, and I'd be curious, Amanda and Mel, let you how you saw that. But I think it was just a, this kind of intuition that, mm. that maybe it was, maybe it was trust, and, it, and maybe also training, and also mm. just being really comfortable with with each other and knowing the nuances of each other's style and, mm. and, um, and you know, what their, what their strengths were. That's, I, I think it's a mixture of all of those things, but I guess that develops trust like that, knowing that knowledge and practice develops trust. Yes. But yeah. What, yeah. what do you guys, yeah, no. what would you say? Yeah. I would, I was just going to say that. Um, I, I think Sophie, um, Dr. Sophie was right when. Oh uh, my gosh! <laughs> sorry, it's so good though. It's so fantastic. Um, it's, it's not I, true, by the way, anyone. <laughs> I do not have a PhD in psychology yet. <laughs> Getting there. Uh, yeah, but I do think like um, uh, Sophie's right when when she said you can you can go further together, and I think we all knew that there was there was like a a, a power. Um, and a strength that we had as a as a group rather than individuals. Not that we ever had tried really to be individual performers um, throughout our our career together, but um, you could just see like you know you wake up one morning and you know you have to get on the bus and go do a show, but maybe you're feeling like terrible that day, or you have something else on your mind that's just taking up all of your energy, or your voice is shot. You have three other people that can still like make that day a successful day and and you're just able to kind of like tag team in this way that that creates momentum and gives you um uh, a strength that would be it it would be harder harder to accomplish things um the same things alone uh and and not everyone is is like built for that kind of a an approach to art or music but um i think that was our experience and i and i always loved that we had this sort of um uh just like backup energy tank for like you know there's like four of us (laughs) that could like pull it together if if one person just couldn't couldn't do it that that minute you know um not to mention just like the camaraderie is was and is just so wonderful Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, being able to to not travel and perform alone, but to do it together and be able to tell all those stories and remember mm-hmm. this thing or that joke or this mm-hmm. happened that time and um, it just it was just like such a beautiful way to to live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I would I wouldn't have. I think if I ever did music again, it, even if I were trying to develop my own my own solo voice or my own thing. 
I would never, ever want to just be by myself with, um, mm. with it. I think the camaraderie and the power of, of, of a group is just such a beautiful thing. If you can, if you can get it to work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. I think that would be my, <laughs> my add-in. Where I think it's, it's also important to know, <laughs> like, that, that when you're part of a group, it comes with a ton of compromise, too. You know, like, it's not mm-hmm. an easy, and I think to your question earlier, Katie, about, you know, where to... Um, kind of do we overemphasize the the soloist or do we you know it, what what is kind of the preference in a way <laughs> at, at a mass level and, and I actually I think you know being part of a group in, in a singing capacity for sure you know that comes with a lot of perpetual perpetual negotiations um, yeah. about yeah. the direction of the music the direction of the songs and uh, and and even the harmonies themselves, so everything down to how we're going to phrase something. And, and it's interesting because there are times where, yes, we can kind of snap into the groove because we've done it together for 15 years. Um, but when we have these kind of uh, quick practice sessions before we go on to um, you know, go on stage, <laughs> it's interesting because sometimes we have very distinct ideas of where we should, you know, where we should speed up, where we should slow down and emphasize, where we should kind of end things or, or and, and it, it really, yeah, you, you can't, you can't just say, no, this is how I see it. You have to play the, like, you know, the negotiator card. You have to come up with a, hey, this is why it sounds better this way. And they're not going to buy it half the time. Well, Amanda, in your job, you are, you're constantly negotiating now. Do you feel like that? I mean, you are in a collaborative, you work in a collaborative capacity so heavily. Uh, How do you feel like this experience ties into what you're doing now in your job? Oh, man, it's a great, uh, a great question, because I actually think the for a long time, it was it was difficult to figure out how to translate how all these skills that all, all of us here on this call have mm-hmm. in, in performing mm-hmm. in um, what it's like to, to be on the road. I mean, in a sense, what it's like to be in the public eye, Katie, I mean, with so much exposure um, all over the world, you know, no, trying to 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 um, play that role and play, uh, trying to be really sensitive to the people you're around and you're in a new environment each uh, each um, uh, day for each show. I mean, all these experiences, uh, really, there's so many that translate into, into, I think, across the board for everything that we, we all do, um, yeah. the power of performance the, and power of storytelling. Um, mm. uh, simple things is how to, how to present yourself. Um, even how loud to be in certain situations, when to when to increase the volume of your voice, when to kind of be a little bit more quiet. Like there's so many emotional intelligence that uh, uh, mm. I think artists, in particular singers, learn a lot of emotional intelligence because they uh, or build emotional intelligence because yeah. of the For you sure. know just the sensitivity to to music itself and and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah i tra- i take those into everything i do uh, during the yeah. day and in my work and and um yeah sometimes it really benefits and then other times you're like man i wish somebody would just be really weird and sing a song suddenly or do something <laughs> crazy, <laughs> funky <laughs> remember this inside joke because that's what's hitting me funny right now in the middle of this meeting. I have that happen <laughs> yeah, exactly. so many oh times. Gosh, yes. like everyone is so serious and then someone will say something and it'll trigger a funny funny something and the weird will really want to come out and then you got to keep it stuffed in. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's awful. No. Well, I, I've got a question for, for all three of you and this is kind of a, a funny question, but given your experience, and we don't want to leave August out of this, but given your experience mm. being three sisters together close in age and then the experience that you have as as artists um what is your experience collaborating with other women that are not your sisters whoa 
in general in general it could be so however however you want to translate i know we're gonna go there we are totally gonna go there for the purpose of this podcast because it's wow. it's Whoa. really <laughs> no. Start on that? no it's such a I mean, since I made the most reaction, I'm nervous that it. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, yeah, we start I feel like with Amanda, you, you gotta follow up on that. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> you no, know, it's really. I think there. Yeah, there's two uh, two elements. I there's definitely. Um, uh, it is so difficult. I mean, okay. First, it, there's the arts, and then the mm-hmm. world that I've been experiencing since. And I think distinguishing them at times is is important because I think mm. um, uh, figuring out um, the the ways to be the most supportive and the way to the ways to be the most um, conscious of of how to build off of each other's strengths. I think there are times where you where society definitely wants to increase the competition for no reason at all. Um, you know, and, and so you have to figure out what competition is real competition um, and then which is just the environment. And, and so, I mean, for me, it's really important to be able to to uh, uh, just to find ways to, to keep. I don't know, it's like it's it's so hard to navigate the, the, this world um, alone. And, and I think being as supportive as possible is is uh, um, yeah, is critical, but I also think it's important to distinguish. We need to to look for the qualities in, in one another, and and the, the genuine connections and the uh, and the shared values, and try to build off of that because I think I think that's um, I think that's genuine rather than just being you know you know just trying to to, to find a way to to be. Um, you know, guiding everyone in the direction that they really want to go, um, rather than competing so high. But I would say it's always it's there because it's it's such it's such a society uh, pushing you in that direction and the work environment. Um, and then I think we all know in the arts, it's, there's always this pressure to to look a certain way, to act a certain way, and um, and so I think it's about collectively deciding we don't accept those standards. <laughs> Um, and so as women, we have to really collectively push in that direction and, and continuously defend that, no, those aren't the standards that we accept. We care about the artistry. We care about the music. We care about that. Uh, but, I mean, I know those are really complicated. I'd be interested to hear uh, your response too, Katie, because, um, I mean, uh, being a, um, part of uh, Miss America and, and part of this mm-hmm. community, it's, it's such a strong theme and, and such, a, it's such an important mm-hmm. theme. Uh, but there are so many different layers to it. So I appreciate the question as well, but would be interested to hear your experiences in that. Oh, I so appreciate your response. I I would love to respond. I, I really want to hear what Sophie and Melanie, what you have to say about this as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, gosh, yeah. Everything Amanda said, I would echo for sure. Yeah. Wow. Um, I also... Yeah, I also think, um, like, I I found that uh, the art community and the space of, like, music and art is, um, for me, has been kind of a haven. Um, I feel like even as a, from the perspective of being a female in it, uh, just because I feel like that community generally is, is far more open-minded and, uh, uh, or, or they are open-minded and, and, they kind of, you're allowed to experiment. You're allowed to be a little bit offbeat or, or different and, and kind of um, approach things differently. And, and pigging, uh, piggybacking off of what Amanda said uh, about um, there being a, uh, a sense of just like not accepting the societal norms um, that you're, you're fe- you feel pressure to. Um, I've found that in the art, arts community, I don't feel that pressure as much, even as a female, and and I don't think that that's everyone, every woman's per, um, experience, especially in the arts. But I think for me, I've found, 
I've found a little a little bit of space here and and and, and an understanding from people. Um, but I also think that there have been very few opportunities where you feel like as a woman in the art space, you you can collaborate with other women without there being this role again that you need to fulfill if you're not a solo artist. And, and there aren't very many examples as there are solo female artists out there. So, um, uh, there aren't many like dual, duo, dual acts or, you know, it's, yes. it's, um, it's something I wish there were more of. I, 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 I think this like, um, solo thing is, is, a uh, something that would be, it'd be nicer to, to see more examples of, of women doing, uh, collaborating together, um, yes. in the art space, um, and just building confidence with each other, you know, and, and really just sort of making sure that it's, um, these relationships aren't, aren't built around, um, just, just like shared experiences in it, but also like challenging each other to just be as confident um, about yourself as possible. And um, <clears throat> I know, think about the world differently, like really don't accept mm -hmm. those, those norms. Um, and yeah. you could, you could, you could be a multitude of things. Um, yes. And, and just encouraging that would be nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Amanda, Melanie, that's so beautiful. Sophie, what do you think? Yeah, that is really beautiful. Um, I would say, yeah, it, it's so similar. It's so interesting, especially in the in the music or in the arts, where there's there seems to be this scarcity mindset yes. for, with women because oftentimes women are the they're the soloists. They're a they're the singer. They're not they're not part of the you know the band in in the back and so there's this they they hold a lot of attention but the the medium in which they hold that attention is is very directed towards like a single a single individual and so when there's another woman on stage or um who who also has um ha like her art is in that same medium there is by nature a there there like only you you have to give up some of your energy and attention and style in which you hold a stage you have to give that up in order to um in order for the two to exist in the same space yes. and that can be really that can be difficult to do because it takes it takes taking away your own vision and take it takes let letting go of control mm -hmm. and and having to think in long in more of a you have to think it you have to have a different goal. I think, I think yeah. that's as I'm just thinking out loud, but there has to be a different common goal in mind in order for this to work harmoniously. And, um, and that, I think if that mindset could be shifted where like the common goal is like Mel and Amanda were saying, like to uplift each other and yes. to, to give each other the, that space of making, making women, feel um feel like they they're seen they're heard they're given the space to be who Absolutely. they authentically are and they're supported in that then then i think um that and it, it could be, it could be really with that mindset it could be really a beautiful um a, a beautiful collaboration mm -hmm. uh, but because society expects this solo mm -hmm. concept and and holding value in that 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 it's difficult it's difficult to do that i would say though in my work that i do i found so many female teams i i've been i've worked with a lot of women in the past 7 years in in research and it's been i've really found it lovely and amazing and how much we understand each other and how much we know there's there's this there's certain kinds of things that go unsaid you know like you have a doctor's appointment that could that could mean something that's debilitating for the entire day and to know to support your your 
um, your fellow female colleague to know like, okay, I'll, I'll have your back for that day. Um, that's, that's something that, you know, is, as, as a woman, it's really nice to know that you're supported in that space, yeah. but um, yes. Yeah, I don't want to go on too long, but I, I would say. <laughs> you, you hit on something. Women hold space for one another. And I cannot say that I see that in the interactions of men. We hold this space that is, is born of mutual understanding and, and shared struggle for one another. And so it, it, that is in complete opposition mm. with the competition that a, a male dominated industry has projected upon us. And it, it's always interesting to me that in, mm. in artistic situations specifically, but outside of that, when women are collaborating, how instinctively there, there's a little bit of, um, of a, of a shifting, right? It's almost like a shuffling of feet where you're trying to find your footing. You're trying to, to gain some ground, but there's a little bit of shifting of it. Um, am I going to find some shared experience here with these women? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to judge me? You know, there's, that's the shared struggle that goes on or, or the mental uh, tornado that goes on. And then it starts to shift toward, um, oh, I don't have to compete. Ah, this is amazing. Here we go. Let's get into the real work. And that's when the real work becomes very productive. And that's when the shift starts to happen. It's not easy. Just like you were all saying is that it takes some time. It takes us and the women around us acknowledging that this is standard. This is common practice. We're all going to have this uh, intuition that we're going to be in competition first. And then we have to take a couple of minutes and s let it, let it pass, mm -hmm. acknowledge it and move forward. And with the recognition that if we have the aim to uplift one another, we are going to create something far more special than if we remain in competition as our male counterparts expect or want of us to do. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting <laughs> Because Amanda, wow. you had asked me what my experience is, and I was lucky. I was so lucky that in the midst of super competition, you know, I think you can, we can call the Miss America pageant like a, a Zupa competition. <laughs> it's like, that's the aim. The aim. <laughs> the aim is to pit these women against each other to then judge who is the most capable wow. to do the job of Miss America. So it's like super male dominated view of put, pitting women together. And for me, I had a, a highly unusual situation with my competition sisters because on our day, our first day of rehearsal, um, we experienced nine 11 together. And Ooh, when, when wow. you experience tragedy together, humanity comes mm. forth, real personalities <laughs> come forth. Trauma does that to people where you, uh, <laughs> your shell breaks and because we experienced that together, we saw each other uh, no longer as competitors, but as, as other vulnerable, um, scared, but capable women. And then when we were given the opportunity to, to vote, to decide whether the competition should continue or not, and it was just the 51 of us gathered in a circle talking about the relevance of the Miss America pageant, not hearing the messages from the media or the messages from our staff or the messages even from our parents or from those who had coached us. Um, we were hearing our individual voices in tandem, respectfully, coming up with a decision that was distinctly ours as a group. And it was decided that in that moment, we had a very special unique opportunity to have our collective voice mean something. And our mm. collective voice said that mm. we believed that being Miss America was something 
that could be uplifting to the American public and especially to other women like us, other women our age, to see that when they use their voices collectively uh, in, in making a big decision, like whether a $40 million production like Miss America should go on or not, <laughs> that we took back the power of that situation. We were not being told whether Miss America was relevant. We decided. And mm. that, as a 21-year-old, made a huge impact on me and proved to me mm. the power of collaboration in the midst of competition. So because I saw that, witnessed it play oh, wow. out for me and, and experienced it <laughs> wow. personally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that is, I, I count wow. that as uh, the sentinel experience behind everything that I'm doing right wow. now. Everything that I have aspired wow. to do. Oh, that, gave and everything. Me, that gave me shivers. It's beautiful. Oh. I appreciate that. But you, you <laughs> yeah, know, wow. these, you know, these same, uh, these same feelings and these same experiences because of what you have done together. I, I feel like that. I feel like as we've talked about these issues um, as friends over the years, as colleagues over the years, that I see that same recognition in, in your interactions. And that's why I love you. <laughs> that's why we, we, we oh, all from that first oh. time when, when was it the first time that we met oh i want to say it was one of those new year's Eve concerts. when was it was it mm, yeah it i remember old. fangirling um yeah was it the hollywood bowl <laughs> concert where you brought no, in i think it was oh, before no. No, hollywood we met you bowl. before then but yeah. that was what an experience. Yeah. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, that was really one of those like, deer in headlights moments. <laughs> you guys have done Hollywood Bowl a couple of times. And you brought all so many though. of your sisters. Oh, that was, um, yeah, that was quite an experience of, of that. Yeah. Wow. And to hear all of their stories situations. <laughs> yes. That was a kick. That was a total kick. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. My friends, I appreciate you yeah. so much. I love you. Is there oh, anything wow. else that you want to My say in, in connection to this topic of, of sisterhood, literal sisterhood, but also <laughs> figuratively uh, as we talk about the collective um, aspirations of women today? Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's it's just really, first off, Katie, thank you for having us on uh, um, for this conversation. It's really cool. I mean, I, I just I can't wait to also hear more of your story and these experiences that you've had. I mean, just this last one. I mean, we've known you for so many years, but I didn't know that story. And I think that's, that's really powerful to, you know, collaboration in the midst of competition which is often what music is. And it too, is there, I mean, it's oh not my gosh. music yes. is competition, but it's more like when you get on stage, <laughs> you, we all, we are, yeah. we are all are in ourselves and we all want to be seen and we all want to be appreciated and valued. Yeah. And so sometimes that comes off as competition, but in order to really be seen and valued, um, you have to work with others and you have to collaborate. And if you do, yeah. then you can reach that point of, of, um, you know, of, of getting all those things you, you hope to receive emotionally as a, as a performer. So, um, so it's, wow. yeah, it's a very, very cool story. And I, I can't wait to, 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 um, to hear more. And um, nah, just also to my sisters, I mean, it's just such a been, I mean, such a cool life to grow up the way we did and, and to have the connection and, <laughs> and to, to be able to, um, to have these memories. And, you know, of course, we're going to create so many more. Uh, but uh, I think really having these the, the mu music and art is, is just such a binding um, agent, really. So, mm. Amanda, you're amazing. Said. You just put that right said. in this beautiful box in tied here. with a ribbon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Katie. Beautiful. That was so, yeah. this is really special. We we generally never get to just, you know, 
chat about all these good things and and <laughs> yeah. i i just had a lot of fun even hearing what um my sisters had to say about all these things so it's it's very special thank you yeah thank you yeah i was oh, thinking the goodness. same thing just you bringing us all together is something very special thank you <laughs> thank you i love you ladies very much Oh my goodness, how I loved that conversation. So good, so good. Oh my goodness, my adoration, respect, and friendship with Sophie, Amanda, and Mel runs so deep, and I am so grateful for them. My sincere appreciation to the Von Trapp sisters for diving between their bios from various corners of the world. They are each and collectively inspiring and a true gift to this world. If you enjoyed today's new episode, please subscribe to the Virtuosa Society podcast wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate and review if you feel so inclined. Watch for more Between the Bio episodes sprinkled between our regular episodes where I share the hidden stories of collaboration between female creatives throughout history. Between the Bio is produced by me, Katie Harmon, with audio engineering by Will Kauser and title music by Carmen Justice.